Hello and welcome to Mr. Free Talk Radio Podcast with your hosts, Theo Free and Nikki Henderson. Join in the conversation as everyday people talk about everyday life. Now turn your listening device up because we are going live. And welcome to Free Talk Radio Podcast for another exciting podcast today. We are talking about insurance and with us we have uh, Prince Kelly who's been in the insurance field doing his thing for way over 20 years and um, he, we thought to bring him to you because he is a someone who knows the insurance field in and out and it's, um, well I'm going to let him tell you who he is. Um, welcome to the show Brother Kelly. And also we have Nikki, who is my host as well. Can't forget to introduce her. Um, don't forget she has she has a wonderful book out as well. It, what's it called again? My greatest blessings. Her greatest blessings, not mine. Her greatest blessings. <laughs> All right. So let's get started with the show. Prince, introduce yourself to our listeners. All right. Well, hello everybody. I'm Prince Kelly from Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, Young man, I've uh, been in this industry, as he said, insurance industry for uh, well over 20 years. So I don't know if I'm dating myself, but a lot of experience. Um, I'm married, the father of four, and um, just love having fun, <laughs> helping people and having fun. <laughs> father of four, you say? Father of four, yes. What, what is wow. the, what, what is that like having four kids in this lockdown period? Well, it's, it's crazy because all four are here at the house. I have a 25-year-old son, um, so you can imagine what that's like. And then... No. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think you can imagine that. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and an uh, 11-year-old son, 10-year-old daughter, and then a 2-year-old little man. <laughs> wow. So we, we have a, a, a big gap. So. That's a huge gap. <laughs> so needless to say, we have a um, jumping household uh, while we're quarantining and uh, um, enjoying ourselves here at the house. <laughs> All right. So, well, let's dive into the show. Uh, so um, we could stay right there. We could just stay right there. <laughs> I'm <just> <laughs> Yes. Because I want to know how the two-year-old got here after the mm-hmm. ten-year. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I, I would like to know that too. <laughs> but uh, um, for real, we are talking about insurance today. So, uh, Princellas, um, why should the average American, uh, our average listener out there, be interested in insurance, knowing that, you know, all the stigma around it, um, even when it comes to car insurance, you pay so much and you get back so little. So, why should people really be interested in insurance? Well, the thing about insurance is that insurance allows people to take the risk off of themselves and out of their finances and put it on somebody else. Um, just like you mentioned, car insurance, if you think about car insurance, you know, if, if somebody goes out and has an accident or some snowstorm comes through, or ice storm comes through and damages your car or your home, it could cost thousands of dollars. And nobody wants to come out of their pocket for thousands of dollars to get something fixed. So that's why we put the onus of that or all the risk onto the insurance company 
by paying a small premium each month or every six months, every year, depending on what it is, then that way the insurance company has to come in and fix your car, your home, whatever it is. And that way we offload all that risk to them. And then we get to keep all of our money outside of the premium that we put aside. And with life insurance, pretty much the same thing. If, if something happens or once something happens to us as individuals, then that could be a, a healthy financial bill. Um, either whether it's final expense, whether it's you getting sick and need, still needing to pay the bills at the house or um, just needing to have a stream of income when you can't work, then that's what insurance is for. So that's why everybody should be concerned about life insurance. Nobody wants to talk about it, but it, it's, it has its key places in our finances. Okay. Uh, so, um, again, one of the stigma for me personally with insurance in general is that you have to fight with your insurance company for them to do what you need done. And sometimes they, 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 they charge you these premiums and then when you really need it, they say stuff like, oh, you're not covered. So how can our average um, listener protect themselves when buying and getting insurance? What to look for um, in getting insurance and what yeah. E's to cross and what I's to dot? Well, that's that's very good point and um, a very big concern that people have. So the main thing I would say is find somebody that you can trust to work with um, as far as being an agent. Um, you don't want somebody who's going to just sell your product, make their commissions, and then you don't see them for the next two, three, five years. You want to have somebody that you can stay in contact with because then they're going to be able to talk you through what insurances you have, um, talk you through um, what you're paying for, and then that way you you know exactly what it is you're covering, you're carrying, whether you're carrying too much, you're carrying too little, and you know exactly what's covered. Um, for example, I know my expertise is life insurance, but a good example, I'm property casually licensed as well, and a lot of people have homeowner's insurance, okay? If you have a mortgage, you have to have homeowner's insurance. Right. Well, what a lot of people don't know is that homeowner's insurance does not necessarily include flood insurance. So if you have a flood from your home, like we have a creek right across the street at my house, if that creek somehow floods and comes in and floods my first floor, I'm not covered under my homeowner's policy. It doesn't cover flood. So a good agent will be able to tell you that and say, hey, you know, it's not likely that you'll have a flood because you're not in the flood claim, but it's only going to cost you $70 a year to make sure that if you do have a flood, you're going to be covered. So you want to make sure that, number one, you get with somebody that can ask you those questions, but also you have to educate yourself, too, to know what questions to ask. You know, am I going to be covered um, if my house floods? Am I going to be covered if a tree hits my house? You know, don't be afraid to ask questions to whoever your professional is so that you can make sure you're covered. All right, so uh, an another question I have um, based off of what you just said. Now, what is too much insurance and what is too little insurance for homeowners and regular people who just want to be insured? Right. Well, if you're talking about homeowner insurance, then what's too much? You have to look at how much it's going to cost you either to replace your home or to fix your home. Um, if it's only going to cost you, let's say you have a $200,000 home, 
uh, what a lot of people look at is how much do I owe on that home? Because that's what the mortgage company wants you to have. So they, they can make sure they get their, you know, their mortgage money back that they lent you. But what you want to make sure is that I can rebuild my house if it burns up in a fire. Or I can replace my goods that's in my home if it gets stolen or damaged or whatever. So the, those kind of things is what you want to look at. Um, with the, the homeowner's insurance and uh, auto insurance, that type of thing, you have to look at replacement costs versus current costs. Um, a lot of times, sometimes the policy will include replacement costs, which means, hey, I had a TV, it was you know, five years old, but it's gonna cost me $1,800 to replace it or whatever. Um, that might be great if your policy covers replacement costs. But if you just have current costs, then your insurance company, like you said, might say, hey, you don't have replacement costs. You just have current costs. So that TV was five years old. You might have paid $1,800 for it. Now, today, it's probably only worth about six. So that's what they're going to cover you for. <laughs> so it's good to know those questions, too, is do I have replacement costs or do I care if the TV needs to be replaced or do I just want reimbursement for what it's worth now? So, so, so what you're saying to me here is that I, I just want to make sure I totally understand this is that if I have a $250,000 home mm -hmm. and I have insurance for $250,000, that only covers my structure. That doesn't cover my property that's inside. No, right? it, does like, no it does cover. So okay. the way the, yeah, the way homeowners insurance is structured, you do have the structure cost. So in this example, let's say $250,000. Um, a portion of that is going to be tacked on to that, a portion of that value to cover everything that's inside the house as well. So you have multiple different layers of coverage with your homeowner's policy. So you have your structure, you have any outside structure that's usually about 10% of the value. So if you have a $250,000, they'll cover $25,000 for a detached garage, a storage shed, or anything that you have separate that's outside of the structure of your home. And then you're going to have content coverage that'll cover your personal belongings, your TV, your furniture, your clothes, those types of things. No, no, no. Not, you actually have um, liability coverage on there too. So if somebody comes to your house and slips and falls and breaks their ankle, you know, you have some coverage if they want to sue you or you just have to pay a hospital bill for them. And <laughs> keep so it. layers to that coverage. <laughs> What was that? That's great. That's great information. Um, I know one of the things that I've been guilty of is you get the insurance policy renewal in the mail. You look at all the numbers on the first two pages. You flip that over, and then there's this stack of stuff behind it that we just file away. Right. And you know, so what is your advice for not ignoring that? How do we dissect that? You know, your everyday individual that's not necessarily well versed in all these things that we're even talking about now, what's what's the advice for take it, for grabbing hold of that extra set of papers behind the numbers? Yeah, well, um, the, the main thing, I mean, you just have to, it's a discipline thing, really, just like everything else in life. You have to make sure that you kind of take the time, and it doesn't have to be something you pay attention to every week or every month, but especially when it comes to insurance, but every once in a while, say, hey, I'm changing my, um, Batteries in my, uh, as a, you know, a point to say, this is a good time to check. I'm changing the batteries in my fire um, alarm. 
So now's a good time to sit back, look at my paperwork, and not just your insurance paperwork, but look at your insurance paperwork, make sure all that's in order. Look at um, your car insurance, maybe those things that you might have coming out of your check, uh, your checking account on an automatic draft. Because a lot of people have things coming out of their account and they forget what it's for. So that's a good time just to look at a, a good financial picture of what's happening. You know, hey, I'm paying for this service, but I'm not using it. So this is a good time to review those things and maybe decide to cancel it. For example, I have a newspaper subscription that I was getting it at my house all the time, but I, I don't even have a birdcage to use it to line it. I mean, I wasn't using it, it just stacks up in the corner. So, you know, when you have those periods of time that you set aside to review and say, hey, I can cancel this subscription because I'm not reading this paper or whatever. And your insurance, reviewing your insurance could be a, a good time to do that as well. And that's, um, you make me think about the point of, you know, someone may say, I can't really afford insurance, right? Like it's an extra, it's an extra cost yep. um, each month. I don't understand whole versus, you know, term life and all of those things, you know, how, how do you, how do we get to that individual that says, I just can't afford it. It doesn't seem to fit my budget, but it is something that we need definitely is and i've run into that a, a lot i mean all the time um, people just realize they can't afford it and the first thing i always ask people and, and it might sound like a, a a trick on a play on words or whatever but the real question is can you not afford it because when you look around at different people that have mm -hmm. especially during this time unfortunately we're seeing people that are passing away because of covid or different things and probably a lot of people know somebody that has been touched that has lost someone. And then when right. you realize how much that family had to spend or you see them put up a GoFundMe page or, you know, different things like that, then that's when you realize that, you know what, I need to do something. And a lot of times when I'm sitting down with people, you know, we'll, we'll find out exactly what they want to happen um, in their life. Is if something happens, what they want their children, to be educated, how much it's going to cost to take care of their children for X number of years. So we look at a lot of different things. And a lot of times it comes up with a huge number. Okay, a huge number of life insurance. And probably eight times out of 10, that person can't afford that much insurance that day. But the thing is, you can afford a portion of it. Just like everything else, you just put a plan in place to where you can get from point A to point B. Um, right. Just to throw an example out there, if you need a million dollars of life insurance, of course, you're probably not going to want to pay the premium on a million dollars of whole life insurance. That would be an uh, enormous amount of money each month. But you might be able to get the majority of that as short term insurance. And then the rest of it structured in a way that you're going to get some permanent benefit out of it. Um, so there's lots of different things. I mean, much more than I can explain on, on this program, but a lot of different things that you can look at and you can structure that payment to be in such a way that it's more affordable for that person. So, so, so um, while we're talking about it, what are, what are the different types of insurance available out there for the average people? Which one would you recommend? And tell us about the, the advantage and disadvantage of, of, of each of those insurance. Good question. Um, so as far as life insurance, 
the three types of life, three major types of life insurance is um, whole life, you have term insurance, and then you have hybrid insurance. And, and we don't call it hybrid insurance in the industry. Um, typically, they have names such as a modified contract or a universal life contract, index universal life. But basically what it is, it's a mixture of term and permanent in the way that it reacts, in the way that it acts. So with permanent whole life insurance, it pretty much does exactly what it says. It covers you for your whole life. As long as you're paying that premium each month, the company can't cancel it on you. And when something happens, it'll pay that benefit out. If it's a $25,000 policy or $100,000, your family will get that $100,000 benefit. That's whole life. With term insurance, just think of term meaning temporary, uh, temporary insurance. And, and we always explain it this way. Permanent insurance or the whole life insurance is you buying your home. You're building some equity. You own that home. With term insurance, you're renting. Okay, you're paying a much smaller premium. But when you leave, you just leave. You don't have anything to take with you out of that term policy. And that can last anywhere from annual, what we call annual renewal, which means each year it's very cheap. But each year your premium is going to go up just a little bit. Or we have 10-year, 15-year, all the way up to 30-year term that will cover you for an entire 30 years for the same premium. It will never go up. Um, and then the hybrid insurance, is it builds up that greater amount of cash value in the policy. Um, you actually have potential of creating somewhat of a savings inside that policy that could benefit your family for years to come. And as far as which one I recommend, it depends on the situation. <laughs> Um, that's why we do planning with individuals, because for some people, term insurance is going to be what they need. Um, for example, if you have somebody who is a young family, they just started having children, their income is probably not where they want it to be yet. It's definitely not where it will be years from now, but they have three children running around the house. And if something happens to mom or dad, somebody's going to have to financially take care of the little children make sure they have a place to stay, make sure they have food and so forth. So a term policy might be for them because they have a large need, but low premium or low um, investment potential. So in that case, I might refer, um, recommend a, a term policy. But for somebody who has, you know, they've got a significant income, they've got a good amount of discretionary income, and they want to save for their retirement, want to save for the future, then maybe a permanent or universal life policy might be better because they'll have a potential of getting a good return on their, their money and not just buying death insurance, as people say. Uh, there are lots of myths around insurance. Tell us about some of those myths and misconceptions about insurance and um, explain or, or debunk those theories for me. Right. Well, in all honesty, some of those myths um, weren't necessarily myths a few years ago. <laughs> um, believe it or not, uh, our industry, um, my industry, um, especially in low-income communities, they were only allowed to get a certain amount of insurance um, because, you know, I guess some some people in the industry felt like they didn't need large policies for whatever reason. Um, so when I first started in the industry, uh, depending on the person's income situation or a person's um, financial situation, we can only 
write a certain amount um, of insurance, life insurance. And that person might have had just as many children running around the house, just as many bills as somebody else, but um, we can only write a certain amount. Um, however, a lot of companies have gotten in, in trouble because of that practice. And there have been several class action lawsuits that were paid out because of that. So one point was not a myth. Um, that's something that has been rectified in the industry as far as everybody has equal right to the same amount of, of life insurance. As long as you can qualify, as long as you can pay the premium, then you can get the same life insurance coverage as you know, the people on the other side of the tracks. Um, another myth or another stigma that the life insurance has is kind of that used car salesman type mentality where they felt like the agent is pretty much taking advantage of a, a household. And again, you're always going to have bad apples in the bunch. Um, years ago, the agents used to sell policies, and that's actually how I started, sell policies, and every month you come around and collect the premium. And some of the bad apples may not have turned those premiums into the company, <laughs> unfortunately. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, everybody has, uh, every industry has a legal activity or unethical activity. And unfortunately, uh, a few decades ago, several decades ago, our industry was plagued with a lot of that, um, especially in low-income communities. But um, today, there's lots of checks and balances in premium collection. Very few companies go around and collect premiums nowadays. Everything is pretty much done through the mail or uh, bank draft, which is better for the client because that way you know your premiums paid, you know your accounts are going, uh, staying current like they should, and you're getting the, the protection that you need uh, for your household. Um, but one thing, um, the education of agents, um, regulations have been put in place, and just people wanting, wanting to do better for their clients um, has changed that. So I think and today, um, especially, you know, the individuals that I've come across, I mean, there are very few bad apples out there today. Most people want to get clients and keep those clients for life, not just um, get them in and, and make some change, but they want to make clients for life. And, and that's definitely what I do and, and what my team does and, and my office does is we build, work with clients and we work with them today and we want those same clients that we can work with 10 years from now and have those clients to be much better off than they are today financially because of the work we've done for them. So. All right, well, that's all. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Okay. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Keep up to date with all the latest shows by subscribing now. Thank you for your support. Let us dive back in. Welcome back to Free Talk Radio. We are here with Prince Kelly, over 20 plus years of insurance industry knowledge. I'm telling you, if you missed the first half, please rewind after you hear the second half. Tune in and turn up because this is really good information for your life, literally for your life. And so um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, um, Prince, from your, from your view is, how has COVID impacted, COVID-19 impacted the industry? There's been a, an unprecedented amount of death um, beyond what we're used to seeing in our time and our, our day and age. Um, it, it's such a big way, right, at the same time. And 
are you seeing um, impacts where people are more prone to go towards getting insurance? And then how are you seeing it impact the people that actually needed it uh, and have potentially passed away or their families are impacted? Yeah, so definitely this, this COVID, I mean, just like every other industry and everything else in the world has affected the insurance business, the life insurance business. And um, a, a several things have changed or have We've had to adapt as far as um, dealing with COVID. Um, one of the main things that we've done in, in the industry and my company in particular is um, we've relaxed a lot of our underwriting um, requirements because a lot of the people, when we write certain amounts of policies, certain amount of, of life insurance, um, people will have to go through an exam. People will have to uh, get their height and weight checked, the blood checked and all that kind of things. And the way that would get done is we would send a examiner out to their home. Well, with COVID, nobody wanted anybody to come to their house, you know, definitely taking any bodily yeah. fluids. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. <laughs> so our company uh, was quick to recognize that and to keep us, you know, working because we couldn't just stop doing what we're doing. Um, but to keep us working and, and to keep um, the products being able to get to households that need it, they augmented their requirements. So we were actually able to offer, in, in some cases, up to a million dollars of coverage without having an exam. Um, so that's one thing that, that the company has done. So that's a big change that has been for us, which is good for us as the company and the agent because we're able to continue to work, but at the same time, it's great for the clients as well because they can get in with a lot lower barrier to entry to get their life insurance. Um, not to say that if you have an exam, there's things that might not get found out, uh, you know, on in your getting coverage, but it's just easier um, to be able to do that without having to go through those exams. So that's one way um, that COVID has affected us and, and it's, it's actually been a great benefit for us to be able to do that. Um, I've actually done a lot of people the same way we're talking now through technology, not having to see anybody face to face and, and be able to write them a life insurance policy and, and they get approved by the company without an exam and they're, they're off and running. So that's been a, a, a good benefit, a big change in the industry. But another thing that has changed is I do think people are more prone to want to talk about life insurance because of what they're seeing on the news and what they may be experiencing in their own circle, their family and friends. Um, it's a scary time. And, you know, we, we always believe for the worst, but you prepare for the, uh, believe for the best, but prepare for the worst. And right. having your family protected, not just in, in the fact that, you know, we may pass away from COVID, you know, God forbid, but how is this going to affect our insurability later? If somebody does get COVID, what are the long-term health effects? And those kinds of questions are still kind of unanswered right now. Um, so one thing that people are thinking about, and, and we always try to highlight to our clients as well, is think about what your needs are now because next year it may be a little different. It may cost more because of health concerns or it just may be, harder to get because we don't really know how the big ticket will um, affect a lot of insurance companies and there's a lot of death claims being paid out so we don't know what the financial bottom line is for some of these these companies 
And even though those benefits have to be paid out, I mean, they can't renege on their the benefits. That's the, the beauty of insurance. But we don't know if those companies will be around still offering the same type of um, plans that we have today that are, uh, as I guess, easier for clients to get and beneficial for them to have in their portfolio. So, uh, so I have a question, uh, kind of a follow-up question to that. Now, with the coronavirus situation, are people less likely to get approved for a higher insurance knowing that they had coronavirus because the company don't know where the trend is going with those long-haul symptoms um, that they're talking about? Or uh, is it the same even playing field? Because um, now coronavirus is now considered a pre-existing condition, right? For insurance companies, so yeah, that's that's a real good question, and and a lot of different companies are probably going through. Um, with our company, um, one thing, and and that's mainly what I can speak on is, um, coronavirus is not um, a question on the application. <laughs> um, what they're looking for are the effects that may have transpired because of corona. You know, if you've had respiratory issues and maybe have some permanent respiratory issues, um, any other um, organ failures or anything like that, then that's what they're looking for. Um, just just the fact of having a positive diagnosis is not enough to disqualify you for, for life insurance. And I would expect that's probably pretty much similar across the industry, too. Does it affect your renewal, though? No. No, um, especially okay. um, with your renewal, because once you, the, and that's the beauty of insurance, once once you have that contract, the company can't cancel you. Now, like auto insurance, you know, they can't cancel you once they pay out those claims. I mean, we've seen that, you know, where people get canceled because of, of low p claims paying. With life insurance, once you have that contract, and as long as you pay those premiums, you have that contract. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Keep up to date with all the latest shows by subscribing now. Thank you for your support. Let us dive back in. Today, we've been talking with Prince Kelly with over 27 years of just wisdom and knowledge in the area of insurance. I hope you've been tuning in, taking notes. I've been taking my own notes. Um, we are. Um, we left off talking about how COVID nineteen has impacted the industry, and there's been some, you know, some areas where you may not have had to get uh, as, as many medical exams, et cetera, as you would in the past. But we, as the industry shifts back and and we move to a healthier state, you know, how do we continue to focus on being ready? Uh, for for those medical exams and and um, common issues that you may see that could prohibit or make it more expensive for us. Well, the main thing that we can do is the same thing that we need to do that our doctor tells us to do every year anyway is eat better, exercise because that's going to keep our blood pressure blood pressure down, keep our sugar levels in good levels, and just kind of take care of ourselves. Um, really, um, that's the main things that the insurance look for is your health, um, making sure that your blood pressure is. Now, it doesn't mean if you have a high blood pressure, you can't get insurance, but to get the best rate available, you know, the better those um, points are, your blood pressure, your 
heart rate, your weight. Um, that's that's one key thing. Um, maybe we need to shed a few pounds. Um, I've actually had a few people that, as I say, um, I always apologize for asking a woman's weight because <laughs> I was taught <laughs> never to ask a woman's weight. But in, in my, my line of work, I have to ask. So I always apologize. And then, but sometimes the insurance company comes back and say, this person is a little bit too short for their weight. In other words, they weigh a little bit more. They look at your height and weight. <laughs> so right. that's one thing that, that we need to look at. Um, and, and that's both men and women. Um, we need to look at our, our weight, uh, which is a big key factor. And like I said, those things such as your blood pressure, those things such as um, your heart rate, um, cholesterol levels. So in other words, Eat well, exercise, and try to de-stress. <laughs> mm, but by yeah, yeah. But by no means. I mean, the, the, the beauty of, of insurance is, unless somebody is is in, in a near terminal situation, now we can get coverage for that person. Um, but just like you know, if you're going to get a car loan or a, a mortgage loan, the better your credit file looks the lower your interest. So the better your health profile, then the lower your insurance premium. That's a great, great correlation um, because I think we sometimes forget, you know, that being in the best that we can be in our health really also gets us some benefits. It's not just about a credit score for everything. That It's about, you know, those small things that we do every single day. Um, yep. it, one of the things is we've been talking with you is you just have um, alongside just a wealth of experience just your passion for this work is definitely there just tell us a little bit about how you got into this industry and what your mantra is as you march even through this season and and uh, the insurance industry yeah well I'm um, coming through school I didn't grow up saying hey I want to be an insurance agent <laughs> but <laughs> Um, I did say when I was coming through school, I wanted to be an accountant. And um, I went to school. I actually have a degree in accounting. I've done that quite a bit. Well, for the first two or three years of my professional career, um, I, I did work in accounting. But it just got kind of mundane sitting behind the desk and, and just doing transactions back and forth. And one day an agent came by the house and um, sat down with me and started talking and said, hey, have you ever thought about changing your industry, changing what you do? I said, no. He said, well, why don't you talk to me and my manager about coming into this industry? And I said, I'm not a salesperson. <laughs> I, I can't sell <laughs> stuff. And then he said one thing. He said, have I sold you anything today? I mean, I know you've purchased, but have I sold you anything? I said, well, no. I said, you've kind of just told me what I needed, and I made a decision. He said, that's what we do. He said, we, we wow. just educate people on what they need, give them solutions, and then you pick what you need, what you want. And so I thought about it, and I said, well, give me a couple of days to think on it. And one of the things that I kept thinking about during those few days was when my father passed when I was 18 years old, my mother was a stay-at-home mom, and I was the oldest out of eight that she had at the house. And wow. I remember, yeah. And I remember how my dad was a sole breadwinner. I mean, he made all the money in the house, but my mom didn't have to go and get a job after that. 
you know, she didn't have to um, say, hey, you kids take care of yourself. I need to go to work. I didn't have to go and get a job, quit school and go get a job and support the family. And I said, how did she do that? And it was through insurance and financial planning. Now, financial planning 20-some years ago, 30 years ago, wasn't the same as, it, as I know it to be today, especially, you know, in our community. But still, there was that planning in place that mom could take care of seven kids at home and me in, in college and not have to miss a beat. So then I, I said, yeah, this, this might be a, a worthy endeavor, something good to go into. And that's exactly what I did is, is I got involved and, and, of course, I didn't jump out doing financial planning right away. There was a process, a learning process. But over the years, I have kind of grown my passion into helping other families that might be in the same situation that we were in, you know, when my father right. passed away years ago. And one thing that I learned is that true financial planning, <clears throat> excuse me, not just buying a life insurance policy and say, hey, I'm covered but seeing how that fits in your financial plan. You know, how does debt fit in? How does your savings fit in? How does your, even your social security and your retirement, all of those pieces are part of a puzzle that if I can help a family put those things together, then they'll be in a better financial situation should anything happen. And then if nothing happens, then they'll be in a better position to be able to retire when they want to. So, uh, <clears throat> People look at insurance in a way where it's um, more about what it costs as opposed to seeing it, like you just mentioned, as a means of getting wealth. Debt is like synonymous <laughs> with, with, you know, in our culture. And we have all these different tools like insurance and other stuff that can help us to build wealth. So, so help us to change the mindset of how we look at insurance as a wealth building tool as opposed to another bill I have to pay. Right. And you and you hit the, the nail on the head. It's, it's a mindset. And um, one of the things that we do, that I do in, in helping people to overcome that bill paying mentality is to, in my planning sessions, I go through and really kind of help the family or the individual develop their, their vision for their finances. You know, where is it that you want to be? You know, where is it? We know where you are now. We're going to take an inventory of where you are now, but where do you want your finances to be? And then when you can kind of paint a picture and walk through a planning step that people can start to see that this is not just a bill, but this is putting something aside for my future, putting something aside for my children's future. When somebody can see the benefit of something, then it becomes less of a of a bill and more of an investment uh, into their future. And I think that's a lot of where um, we have fallen short in the insurance industry is that we just say, hey, if you die, you don't want to leave this bill for your, your family. And then that's all we think about. You know, I'm paying this thinking that, you know, years from now when I die, then somebody's going to get something. But when we really walk through true solutions are because insurance has changed a lot over the last 30 years it's more than just a, a death benefit i mean there's disability that's built into the insurance um, policies now critical illness that's built into it um, lots of different benefits that a person can take part of 
while they're living should something happen and not just when they die. So I think we as insurance professionals need to help people to really plan and see those benefits so then it then becomes bigger than just a monthly bill and a monthly payment. And then when you can take that and show how debt kind of leaves into your savings program, how budgeting, you know, maybe you're spending X amount of dollars and you don't realize, just like me with the newspaper that I spoke about earlier, I'm paying a subscription that I'm not even using. And then when you go through and, and help somebody with their budget and their planning, then you can say, hey, I was able to save two, $300 out of my budget that I was spending that I don't need to. And then it'll be easier for somebody to say, hey, I'm going to divert $100 of this to my insurance program because I'm ahead rather than just adding a bill. I've actually saved. So I think the onus of that is on insurance professionals and financial professionals is to really help people in a big picture rather than just going in and say, hey, this is my product and this is what I want you to buy. No, look at a person's whole financial health situation and then you can say, this is going to put you in a better position. And by the way, this product is going to be over here. Then they can see a benefit of, of having that product and, and making that, that investment each month into their program. That's great. I, I mean, wow, this is, I, I started, my mind started going towards even avoiding the pitfall of only thinking your insurance at work is all you need and not exploring other options as well. I know, could you quickly just share that? And then when you share that, can you also tell us about the regions that you service and how, how we could get to you um, it, it, for those that are wanting an agent? Definitely. Yeah, so, and, and a lot of people do think that, hey, what I have on the job, because what you have on your job is part of your benefit, it's fairly inexpensive, and it comes out before you even get your paycheck. So, a lot of people think, yeah, that's all I need. But here's the question I always ask people, and, and I've kind of been in that situation myself. How many times do you change jobs? How many times do you go from one company to another having to start over with that benefit? Because nine times out of ten, you can't take that benefit with you, um, that life insurance. And every time you get a new policy at a new job, I mean, it goes up because you're older. So having that insurance on the job is great. I mean, really, it's fairly inexpensive. I would encourage anybody, if your job offers you guaranteed insurability, take it. But also have that separate personal policy. Because you never know if you might be in between jobs when something might happen and you need it. And also, you can structure your personal insurance to be much more beneficial to include some of those things I just spoke about, like some disability, like some critical illness, some actual savings inside of the policy that you can't get on your, on your job policy. So I tell people, by all means, add that to your portfolio. It's there. It's kind of like the icing on the cake. But we need to bake your cake and, and make sure that you have it anytime you need to take a slice of it. <laughs> so um, that's how that kind of works with, with your job. And, and it is part of your, your whole financial planning picture. Um, but as far as the regions, um, the way life insurance is structured, the states control um, all of the transactions for their, their region. It's not a, a federal license where you can serve the whole U.S. Um, so North Carolina has their license. 
Virginia has their license. Every state had their own license. And me personally, I'm actually licensed in the state of North Carolina and the state of Georgia. So anybody that lives in those two states, then I'm able to help those people. And, um, and, and if you live in a different state uh, and it's not one of the states I'm licensed in, somebody with Transamerica, my, my company, Transamerica Agency Network, is licensed in your state. So we can definitely help you, um, anybody in the U.S., if need be. But um, how somebody can find me is, is everybody has a web page nowadays, and I do have a web page, and the address is kind of long, so I'll, I'll try to say it slowly, but it's tanconnects.com slash P. Kelly, and that's me, and it's T-A-N, the Transamerica Agency Network, connects, C-O-N-N-E-C-T-S dot com slash P. Kelly. So that's how somebody can reach me. And one thing, uh, we were talking about how people can educate themselves. One thing that we have on the website is actually a training module that you can take a look at for free is how money works. And a person can walk through that. It doesn't, you don't have to buy anything to get it. It's just some free information about money in general, not just life insurance, but how money works, how you can save money. What's the benefit of saving money? So we do have some of those things. And then you can sign up for my blog as well, um, and you'll get, every time something's posted on that blog, you'll get some financial information. A lot of it will be about life insurance, but some of it will be about some other things in life as well, talking about your health, talking about your checking account, budgeting, when to use debt, that, that type of thing. So there's a lot of good information out there um, on that site. What is at least one thing you would like um, our listeners to take away from this um, conversation. When you think about, I don't think I can afford insurance. It's one thing you made them think. You might think you can't afford it, but you need it. The one thing is, is I would say is that even if you think you can't, you can. Um, the thing is, you can't afford not to. And with so many different plans out there, a, a program can be tailored to you to fit your situation, wherever you are right now. Um, if you're buying a cup of coffee every day or anything like that, you can afford life insurance. Um, and the thing is, is that it'll do you much better than that cup of coffee, and it'll protect your family. So you never know until you speak to somebody. So just take that time, take 15, 20 minutes to speak to somebody and figure out what your options are. Because the, the other thing is if something happens and you don't have life insurance, then somebody's got to do GoFundMe or, you know, take up a collection or go into debt to take care of things. And that's what we don't want. That's what we want to avoid. So it's worth a 15, 20-minute conversation to find out what's available to you. All right. And um, just know that we will be inviting you back for another segment um, some, somewhere in the near future because we know that you have a lot more in information that you can share with our listeners out there who um, have all these different insurance type questions. And of course, you can go right ahead and contact Prince, um, follow him by his website uh, through his agency if you have um, insurance questions. And if you want to become insured, it's very important. Remember, America, you need insurance yes. Yes. more than Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, more than Starbucks. More than Starbucks. <laughs> More than Starbucks. And remember, you need to 
Well, I'm, I'm just saying. Some listeners. We got to keep our listeners. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, you know, you know, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Chris Rock has a, has a funny joke that I, that, that I think is the funniest thing he said. A lot of people miss it. He said that when, um, when black fathers die, they leave their children a wound and not a will. So let's try and change it. Leave them a will and not a wound. That's good. Yes, that's yeah. powerful. That's powerful. That's All right, so thank you guys for listening again. And Nico, tell, tell our listeners how they can get in touch with us. And of course, if you know one of those great people out there who's just tearing up in the industry, you can send us an email and um, we'll be more than happy to get back to them. We promise you we will get back to them and um, maybe if, get them on our show if they have the information that our people need. Yeah, so, you know, remember, this is real talk for extraordinary people about our everyday lives. So we want, we want you to be our guest. You're doing something. There's information that you have that others can use. We want connect with us, and you can send us an email at mrfreetalkradio.com. That's M I S T E R F R E E T A L K radio.com. Well, that's at gmail. That, that's at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Sorry. The website, the website is not ready yet. At gmail.com. <laughs> It's coming. Radio at gmail.com. Okay. Gmail.com. Send us send us an email. Remember, we do not share your email information with no one. It's safe That's with us. Right. All right. For real talk with real people, free talk radio. Join us again for the next show. And until then, nigga see you. We out. Thank you for joining us on Mr. Free Talk Radio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. For more content, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and anywhere podcasts are available. To stay updated on the latest content release, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Soon we'll be coming to a YouTube channel near you. If it is real talk, it's on the Free Talk Radio Podcast. We hope to see you soon.